Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Saturday Draft Live, get in gear. Yes, welcome to Saturday Draft Live. I'm David Hockney, and joining me this week is number 44 himself, Scott McLeod. Scott, how are you? Very good. Uh, very much. I think I got that reference there at the start. So I tell <laughs> you what, I think I think it's one of your better intros you've ever done. Yeah, no, keep it short and sweet. That's the that's the way to do it. Don't overcomplicate it. Um, but let's not waste any time. There's a lot to get through uh, this week on Saturday Draft Live. So. Let's start off with the top three of the week. And coming at third place, nine points this week, is Tony Storm. Uh, nine points. Uh, the interim AEW Women's Champion. Looking to have a, a good showing on Dynamite this week and set to defend the interim title against Jamie Hayter. Uh, this tonight, actually, at full gear. So, Scott, how do you think Tony Storm's been performing as of late, you know, despite, you know, she's still technically the interim AEW Champion? I think the good thing is, especially for Grant, who has our East team, is that also despite the interim, but it's still championship points. So unlike, say, when if you have FTR on your team and they're defending like the Ring of Honor belts on an AEW program, you know, the points wouldn't count there, but it still counts when it's an interim AEW champion. Mm-hmm. So it's really good for Grant. I mean, I think we, we all know that in the, as the seasons have gone on, the, the amount of really top going in AEW women's picks you can really count on one hand and this season especially Tony Storm has been among one of the best ones to have on your team, she's in the top 10 mm-hmm. for the season overall about 7th I believe 7th yep, just With 2 a, points behind Drew mm-hmm. and ahead of uh, Roman Reigns actually as well mental mm-hmm. yeah and she's, think, also, she's also now Grant's top scorer as well yeah, am I right in saying that currently John Moxley is his captain? I believe so, yes. I I think he would have been better at some point last week, maybe making the switch captaincy wise to her, because that mm. would have went into effect this past Monday, whereas if we tried it this week, it wouldn't be in effect until after full gear, because I think I'm more confident in Tony retaining than Moxley, given the way everything's been building with MJF. Because mm. uh, I know Grant's. It's been doing fairly well. I think the only thing that stopped them progressing too much is, be- is the fact that it's an heavily AEW team. I think this would it switching it over to Tony Storm as successful captaincy over tension points. I take on that on pay per view would help further cement him over right at the midpoint of the table because there's only like a week or so left of this season. Mm-hmm. Well, I, ho- I hope the uh, the gamble pays off, but you know maybe. This uh, this is a point of the season where Grant can't afford any major faux pas, but uh, we'll see how it goes at full gear. Second place this week is EO Sky with 11 points, getting a victory over Dana Brooke on Raw and multiple appearances across across the show itself with the captaincy applied as well. I mean, it's it's no difference from the the story that's been this season. You know, Ryan Dalgleish has been top of the table primarily due to. EO Sky now sitting at the top of the the highest scorer this season with 175 points overall. Certainly a a juggernaut of a season for not just EO Sky but every member of Damage Control. 
Well, not every member has Bailey's let me down twice now. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, I'll I'll give you that one. It's uh, Bailey's not had the best of luck when it comes to pay per view title defenses, but there was a couple of instances where I think you know she probably could have won it, but that doesn't affect her placing in the overall standings of the top ten. She's still there with the rest of Damage Control. Yeah, and I think for the most part so far this season, it's very rare that we do see. Io and Tokoa in singles matches on Raw. They have had like a handful this season. But for the most part, the scores have been fairly consistent, with, which I think is why Ryan and Brett Douglas and Gallagher were so close the last few weeks in terms of where they were in the scoreboard. But I think Io getting a single showing was important for Ryan at this stage. Uh, Douglas, that is, because that allows him to pull ahead uh, of Ryan Gallagher because as long as they were competing in tag matches, they were pretty much on the same score and they had to rely on the rest of their team, as we said. But if EO gets a bit more showcased as a singles person, then that helps set him apart mm-hmm. uh, and help uh, create that gap that he desperately needs at this late stage. Yeah, if anything, I think any person with damage control on their team needs to win at uh, Survivor Series War Games mm-hmm. now that they've got a, a full team established. It's damage control, Rhea Ripley and mental Nikki Cross on one side, whereas... Team Bianca's got Bianca, Asuka, Alexa, Mia Yim, and one person, TBD, to be announced. I mean, I say this is what he needs, as we'll talk about when we talk about uh, uh, Full Gear a little later on. There's a big thing that could help Ryan Gallagher close that gap tonight on the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. And I'm expecting uh, an in-depth analysis with the AEW coverage uh, from you there. So, But top scorer of the week with 13 points... And Stephen Wilson will be going ha, 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 ha at this moment because it is his uh, former captain, Seth Rollins. The defending the United States Championship this past week on Raw in the Open Challenge uh, against Finn Balor. Mm-hmm. But it looks like he could be entering into a program with Austin Theory going forward. Could we see him possibly defend the title against Theory at Survivor Series? I think I've heard some speculation that there could be some multi-man style match for Survivor Series for the US title, given that we've also got Lashley hanging around to help cost Theory his uh, his money in the bank cash in. We've got Ali hanging around, but you know you never really know. I think there will be some sort of US title, maybe even triple threat or four way come come Survivor Series. So I think that will be important for Stephen Wilson to have that pay per view title defense on. Pay-per-view because as we as we're going to see in a minute, he's trying to find his own place at the top, and he's he's very close behind Ryan Douglas. Mm-hmm. And it was wise to uh, pick Seth Rollins mm-hmm. uh, fairly early on. I think he was a round two pick following all the the initial round ones. But he's been, as we've seen in past, he's actually been a very consistent draft scorer, fifth place overall in the top ten, one hundred and twelve points total. Uh, a few more U.S. title defenses between now and Survivor Series, even if it is a, a big win at the pay-per-view itself, that could bump Seth Rollins to being uh, one of the top scorers of the season. But he has 12 points currently behind the Usos, who are in fourth place, and uh, still a good bit behind damage control. So could be they could change on a dime at this stage, but a big pay-per-view win for Seth Rollins as cap. Well, the captaincy doesn't apply anymore, so because he's now because Stevens now switched it to Rare Ripley, so it sounds like he's uh, gambling on a, a damage control win inside War Games there. 
Maybe, maybe. But then again, with the weird back and forth between with damage control, like they win a big thing on TV, then lose on pay-per-view, or they lose titles on TV, win them back in Saudi Arabia. You never mm. really know anymore what they're going to do with, with damage control, especially now that Rhea Ripley and that are going up against a team which features uh, me, who's just freshly returned to the company. Mm. But then again, the OC just came back and then they lost their first big pay-per-view match, so, you know, this that this woman's war games is looking very predict, uh, unpredictable. So I agree with you as a big gamble for Steve Wilson, but in hindsight, Seth is looking like a solid pick because he has been put in that role the last few seasons of he loses big matches even though he's consistently a feature on TV, but he's then immediately put into another program and he's he never really loses anything because he's so you know, charismatic. So you mm-hmm. never know how he judge like how he's going to perform. But then he won in Cardiff. And then immediately, despite losing and extreme rules, he got right back on the horse and won the US title. So, I think it's one of Rollins' better seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. We'll uh, we'll see how that goes. But let's go into the top ten of the of the leaderboard. Still sitting at bottom, unfortunately, is Andy Mitchell with Vince McMahon's financial advisor on 135 points. I think it's safe to say he's he's out of it at this point. Uh, I mean, we all know Andy Mitchell's secretly a bottom dirty boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but breaking the 200 point barrier uh, in ninth place is Gary Kernham with Team Viscera, 203 points. And then a good bit ahead of him is you, Scott, with Ding Dong Cowboy Shit on 240. But you're trailing just three points behind Grant with uh, What the Funaki on 243 points. And then we have another bit of a jump up to the mid table. We have the. Once top of the table, now firmly in the middle, it's Jack Graham and the three-time Kings of Drafting on 271. And just above him on 280 points is Ross McLeod and the full-bodied Bordeaux. Then we go into some pretty narrow competition here. So fourth place, the Listener's League winner, Dan Axel Jameson with Balls of Jericho on 295 points. He's been slowly climbing his way up the table, scoring 15 points this week as well. We said last week, you know, maybe he could pull out a win out of nowhere because, you know, as we say, anything can happen in this draft. Uh, third place, we have Ryan Gallagher with North Men, South Men, Comrades All on 305 points. A pretty poor week for Ryan overall. He only scored nine points. Uh, and that's going to damage his prospects of possibly winning this season and keeping his place at the top. Overtaking him, though, the Seth Rollins title defence has paid off for Stephen Wilson, whereas the Wilson wankers have now jumped ahead of him just by one point on 306 points. And back on top, where he hopes to be, it's uh, Ryan Dalgleish with Ryan's Redeemers on 310.5 points, scoring 21.5 points overall. So a very, very good week for both uh, Dalgleish and Stephen there. But let's not overlook the fact that Ross actually scored 22 points this week alone. He was the highest scorer this week. So, and he's starting to close that gap between him and Dan Axel. So, again, it's still all to play for, but at the minute, it's looking between the top three with a possible uh, dark horse winner in the form of our listeners league competitor, Dan Axel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting that Stevens managed to you know, get between the two Ryans when it really it seemed like a two horse race at the top between the two Ryans for a little while now. But I think that's one of the better things about this last little stretch of the season and that, you know, for much of last season and then a lot of the early part of this one, it was just Jack uh, at the top and clear gap ahead of everyone else. 
which kind of makes it boring when you're trying to analyse it on this show, but it seems to be changing on an almost weekly basis here. Like, first, you got Ryan O'Leary ahead, and then sometimes Ryan Gallagher will be a couple points ahead, and then they swap back and forth. If Stephen Wilson's inserting himself between them, and then you got Dan Axel Jameson coming on the outside. This is what you want in the last little week or so of the season. You want some potential unpredictability or a chance for an upset. Yeah. I mean, with just one week to go, we've got a pay-per-view tonight, and we've got a pay-per-view next week as well in the form of Survivor Series. So big, big points to be had in the, in the final stretch before we determine the winner for the listeners' league, for the um, SDL Draft Season 14. And unfortunately, it just slipped out, but I was hoping to try and skip it. <laughs> but Scott, it's uh, it's that time again where I must ask you to cover the, the Listener's League top five for this week. Uh, reading out the names of the Listener's League, the podcasting equivalent of a colonoscopy. Uh, <laughs> I'll, just, I'll, I'll just fire through these. It's not really as close as the main season right now, and I think there is a clear winner going into the last week or so of this season. We have number five, Craig Forsyth. Who knows at this point? Well, I know that you're not winning at this point, Craig, because you are on 286.5 points in fifth position. One point and a half ahead of you is Martin Best, Progress Travel. You won't be progressing much further this season, uh, Martin. Ross Anderson, Stone Goal, Mr. Globby, with 315 points, but quite a jump there. A lot ahead of him is Stuart with Safety with Conrad.com. But Clearing uh, a gap ahead of the rest of the field, despite messaging me that it may have been the worst night of his entire life when both Asuka and Bailey lost in title matches at Crown Jewel and potentially ruined the season for him. Team Goat with David Campbell is still firmly at the top of the listeners' league, 349 points, holding firmly in that position. He has two women uh, on either side of the war games with Asuka and Bailey. So I, th- I don't know how strong his AEW representation is at this point, but I do think that despite that minor stumble, which could have been cast off for him at Crown Jewel, David Campbell is securing his place as this season's Listener's League winner. Mm, at the minute, though, he doesn't have any AEW representation. So mm. while Stuart, just, just behind him, has Jade Cargill and the Acclaimed, who I believe mm. are both in title matches. Yes, they are. I mean, you never know. We might see a, might see a bit of a either the gap closes, or we could potentially be seeing a new leader. But let's go into the the nitty gritty of why we're here today, because tonight is AEW Full Gear, taking place in the Prudential Center in New York, New Jersey. There are currently 13 matches announced on the card. Yep, you heard that right. Oh, 13. Three of which have been advertised for the pre-show and 10 on the main card. So we have, I don't believe we have any representation from folk on the, on the pre-show, but we have Brian Cage versus Ricky Starks in the AW Eliminator Tournament semi-finals. Then we have Best Friends with Rocky Romero and uh, partner TBD versus the factory, likelihood it might be Dan Housen uh, in a maybe, 10-man tag match. Maybe. No, you never know. Maybe there'll be some sort of forbidden door style thing, which is why it's TBD, because I think if it was Dan Housen, they wouldn't bother putting TBD because a lot of people, mm. not online especially, really like Dan Housen, but 
I honestly, I think this is a feud born out of AEW Dark, so it's firmly fucking belongs in the bloody pre-show. <laughs> yeah, uh, and the last match we have oh, is... Uh, if, it is Dan House, if it is Dan Housen, then uh, Ryan Gallagher will make it points, then if it does end up being Dan Housen, because he has him on his team. Oh yeah, that's true. I mean, if it, I mean, uh, last I saw of Dan Housen, he got pile driving onto steel stairs. So, but yeah, you're right. Ryan would benefit from it if it was a Dan Housen appearance here. Uh, and the last match on the pre-show is Eddie Kingston versus Jun Nakayama. Is that um? Is they are they a New Japan star? Uh, I believe it's more DDT. I think this week because he was teaming with Konosuke Takeshita on Rampage, and like Takeshita definitely made his name in DDT. So I think he may be a uh, in the past all Japan or and currently DDT kind of star, mm-hmm. but don't quote me on that. Okay. Um, so looking at the main card, first match. Uh, let's just go through the ones where we don't have any representation from the from the draft here. So uh, we have Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal versus Sting and Darby Allen. We have Luchasaurus versus Jungle Boy in a steel cage match. I have Jungle Boy. Oh, so you do, yeah, my mistake. Uh, so, steel cage match against Luchasaurus, Scott. What are you thinking? Oh, yeah, I was talking about this on Central Ross. I think, like, you had to extend it out because of Christian's injury and do a bit of an angle all out, which is fair enough. But I think the real money was always going to be a Luchasaurus Jungle Boy feud anyway, because, you know, they're one of the OG tag teams in AEW, and then breaking up would be a big feud. So, I think there's not very few places they can go after a steel cage match, so. I think Jungle Boy really needs this, and I need him to do this because he's he's on a measly 17 points for me right now, so mm-hmm. I need him to start picking that up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the old, I've just double checked, and I think the only other one where there's no. Actually, no, there's actually two with uh, zero representation here because we have uh, Dr. Britt Baker versus Soraya in Soraya's first match in about over four years. So that should be interesting. And then finally... It's interesting, oh, sorry, interesting, that, there's, it's interesting that there's no Brett Baker in any team because I know it's not been our better season because also she lost like, a couple mm-hmm. of big four ways for the women's title, but she's always been much like Tony Storm. I said, like, you can count the, the big scoring AEW wins picks on one hand. I think Brett Baker in the past has been amongst them. So that's very interesting. But going back to one of the other matches, you said there's no representation. Like, I don't, I don't understand why, like... Nobody thought to pick Darby and Sting as a tag team because if you look at it right now, they're one of the few undefeated teams in AEW right now. That is true, yeah. And they were picked as a tag team in a previous season, although it wasn't necessarily a winning tag team. It certainly got them guaranteed points. Mm-hmm. But um, amazingly, there is also one more match with zero representation, and it is Death Triangle versus the Elite. The Elite making their return following the controversial All Out media scrum. Really? I believe you're wrong there again, uh, Dave. I have the Young Bucks as my oh, tag team. Oh, for and God's sake, Ross I'm having a mayor today. Boss has Pack and the Luchabler. I'd like to think the Luchabler, someone's picked them. If not, then that's a major injustice if no one's picked the, mm. the Luchabler's. And... Oh, you know what it is? I had wine with dinner last night, so I'm still a bit, <laughs> bit hazy from that. Oh, dear. So yeah, no, so it's, I can't see anybody with the with the Lucha Bros. So, but that's a weird one that no one's picked the Lucha Bros or Kenny Omega with. I think he was one of the 
worst kept secret that he was going to be revealed as the elite tag, uh, the Bucks tag partner when <laughs> yeah. they had the Shields tournament. And then obviously they, he gets suspended afterwards, so he's been MIA for even longer now. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's it's effectively it's going to be you versus Ross for the the trios titles. You've got the Bucks. Sorry, my life. Scott. <laughs> he's got Pac, who surprisingly did very well as AEW All-Atlantic champion, who's currently on 51 points, whereas the Bucks are on 17. If I'm being honest, though, I'm looking at uh, an elite win here. Yeah, I'm looking at that as well. I think while it would suck for Death Triangle to lose the belts immediately back to the to the team that they had to win them off of, well, the team they had to vacate them, I think there's some storyline implications that could come from this, that the Elite being annoyed with this. There's an implication that they think they've been forgotten about and almost erased from AEW history while they've been away. And Pac's been trying to encourage a more vicious side from the Lucha Bros, so this, the anger for this loss could help bring that out of them. So I mm-hmm. think, while on paper it may seem weird for them for Death Triangle to lose, I think the storyline implications could be very interesting from this and also, I need the Bucks to win because they're in the same score as like Jungle Boy at the minute. Mm-hmm. At first this season, at all out, I thought, oh good, I've picked a successful tag team for the first time in ages. Then they get suspended. Bloody fell. <laughs> yeah, but now let's move on to some uh, on to some title matches here. So first up, Wardlow defending the TNT title against Samoa Joe and Powerhouse Hobbs. A must win for, for Dan Axel here, who's currently got Wardlow while Samoa Joe and Powerhouse Hobbs are undrafted. This will be the the big meaty men slapping meat match, won't it? Yes, 100%. Uh, I said to Ross on Central that I believe you could actually have Powerhouse Hobbs win this and then go spin off the Wardlow-Joe feud, which seems to be building something for the TV title because you've got no final battle coming up for Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think... They had big plans for both Starks and Hobbs coming out of their feud, you know, Starks in the Eliminator tournament, and I think Hobbs is a big, you know, powerhouse, you know, fending off challenges for the TNT title. Could really do wonders for him, and potentially make him a valuable player for next season's draft. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, now we, uh, Let's go on to the another must-win for Dan Axel. It's Jade Cargill defending the TBS title against Isla Rose. Mm. Yeah, I think this is a better shot for him right now because he there's uh, a storyline revolving around someone nicking someone else's belt and <laughs> really does the person who steals the belt win it and especially given that Jay Grung was undefeated if they were going to have a storyline between her and Isla that would lead to Nyla being the first one to beat her it wouldn't revolve around nicking the belt. <laughs> yeah, but that's two title matches for Dan on full gear, so either of those for him would be great. Both would be putting him in contention to be close to the top of the leaderboard, if not at the top. And Stokely Hathaway will no doubt be kicking about as well as his fifth round picks. So you never know, tonight might be a very good night for for Dan in terms of scoring points here. Um, But let's move on to uh, the Ring of Honor World Championship. We have the the Ocho Chris Jericho defending against Brian Danielson, Claudio Castagnoli, and Sammy Guevara. Now the mm-hmm. only representation we have here is Grant McRobbie, who has Claudio. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Danielson, amazingly undrafted, as is Chris Jericho, and Sammy Guevara as well, which is uh, I, it's quite baffling because those guys are normally 
traditionally safe picks um, with the uh, the draft selection. But what do you think? Uh, this one's kind of a bit up in the air for me. But do you see a Jericho retention? Yeah, I think he. I think he was going to drop it and might be at the upcoming final battle because I think remember then they're going to announce hopefully the official Ring of Honor TV deal. And I think Jericho was a big getting the title was mainly to help them secure that TV deal. So once they get the deal, then Jericho will probably drop the belt. Uh, I'm surprised, like you said, that Jericho has is, is went undrafted because he has had a solid season of feud with Brian and spinning off into this Ring of Honor title thing. Only thing I think that doesn't make him as much of a loss is that the fact that there were many defences of Ring of Honor title wouldn't count as title win points. So that would have obviously held some people back. But Brian, I don't think this is the first time Brian's went undrafted, which is bizarre to me. But uh, I don't see this being this working out for for Grant. He's got uh, actually out of all of these EW picks, I think I only see one of them really working out from that much. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to the AW Tag Team Championship. We have probably the most popular, most over team. In AEW at the minute, they acclaimed uh, defending against the former champions Swerve in Our Glory. Now, I believe the acclaimed has been drafted by yes. a certain Ryan Gallagher. Yes, and Swerve in Our Glory are on Grant McRobbie's team, which again, mm. I don't think that's going to work really for him. I think it would be stupid to take the belts off of the acclaimed at this stage, given how popular they are. They just released a Christmas sweater with scissor said scissor me under the mistletoe. <laughs> but they're just merchandising you know, machines right now. And I think I said I had to do that before. I think this pay per view titled the retention points for the acclaimed is what Ryan Gallagher needs to help close the gap with Brian Douglas and jump over Stephen Wilson. And you know, I believe the acclaimed are gonna take a note from their friend Captain Insano and show no mercy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Now Ryan will Ryan will need this for sure because Luckily for him, Stephen Wilson has only one AEW representative, and that is Wheeler Utah, who's been kind of quiet as of late and has not yet been advertised for the pay-per-view unless he makes an appearance as part of the Blackpool Combat Club. So, I mean, at best, he'll probably get appearance points. Ryan could easily get a title title win here, and that would overtake him. Uh, well, that would let him overtake Stephen there. So definitely a lot to be a lot to be desired here. Then we move on to the AEW Interim Women's World Championship. As forementioned, it's Tony Storm versus Jamie Hayter. Grant has Tony Storm in his very AEW-heavy team. So at the minute, he's got three draftees in title matches, and it looks like only one of them is likely to retain or win their match specifically. Yeah, I, I definitely think this is the one that's going to work out for, you know, Tony winning. The rumours were that they were given another chance to Thunder Rosa and the, the, the chance that Tony may go from interim to just straight out AEW Women's Champion. And I think until that is made official, then she's not going to lose the belt because it's very rare for someone who's the interim champion to lose the belt until they can set up some sort of situation where you know they face off against you know the quote unquote real champion. So I definitely think Tony's going to retain here. Fair enough. And lastly, the big one, the AEW World Championship. It's John Moxley versus MJF. MJF using his casino ladder match cash-in opportunity here. Mm-hmm. 
I'm not going to lie. I'm very up in the air with this one. But I do think it's MJF's time. Mm-hmm. Because also, and I forgot to mention this, Grant actually has four of his team in draft, in four of his draft team in title matches. So he needs a Moxley win here. MJF, meanwhile, is undrafted. Yeah, that's so really determined. Like, Grant could really cement it right in the middle of the table, or he could fall quite hard uh, if he loses here because, you know, the exception of Coyle, you know, it's a title match. It's not counted as title points, whereas the other three, you know, you've got championship points at stake here, so it would hurt even more if he had if most of his team lost, which I sadly think is going to happen. The only, only person I think is going to come out on top is Tony for his team. Uh, I definitely think, as I said to Ross before this week, that, you know, if you don't pull the trigger here on MJF, if you later on do do it, then I don't think people will care as much. You know, there's, there's some of you said we're pulling the trigger at the right time and this for him feels like the right time. Mm-hmm. Again, it's bizarre he's been undrafted as well, but I imagine his situation was still up in the air by the time the, we were making our selections for the season. But, you know, you had Ryan Dogley sticking a gamble on on Banks and Naomi that hasn't paid off. But nobody was taking their chance on on an MJF return. Yeah, but that could all change uh, following the draft selection, not next week, but the week after. And one thing to note as well, just before we wrap up, um, as I mentioned, Stephen only has one AEW representative in the form of Wheeler, Utah, whereas Ryan Dalgleish has zero AEW representation. Mm-hmm. Whilst the next person down in the leaderboard is Ryan Gallagher, who has the acclaimed in the title match, and possibly a Danhausen appearance on the pre-show. So it's between Ryan Gallagher, Grant McRobbie, and Dan Axel. Obviously, you and Ross as well, obviously, are in the, the trio's title match representation there as well. Who do you think has got the best chance of walking out of full gear with the most points and probably sit at the top of the table? Well, Ryan really has one big match that he needs to potentially cement him to the the top of the table, and I think that will help him get there or at least tie with uh, Ryan Douglas to create some extra tension going in the final week. Out of everybody else, I think it's between uh, between I think it's between myself and Dax, so because. Uh, if Graham McRobbie, if some of Graham McRobbie's team, which is heavily AEW, as we said, doesn't work out, given that he's just ahead of me, this is my chance to leapfrog him in terms of placement in the table. And if possibly back on Ross team loses, I could potentially come up to him or maybe pass him as well. Whereas Dan Axel is trying to secure himself in the top four, top three of the table right now going into last week. He's already the best performing listener league person in the coming of their season. So, you know, Wardlow potentially retain and continue the street on with Hobbs or, or Joe afterwards, along with the inevitability of Jay Cargill, who really help him maybe even sneak into the top three if if it goes well. Yeah, and let's not overlook that he's also got the Usos lined up for war games as well. I think, mm-hmm. I wouldn't rule it out just yet, but Dan Axel does have a, a potential chance of becoming the first Listeners League and Main League winner back-to-back, which would be a mighty, mighty fine performance. Also, I believe it might be booked on the go-home show for SmackDown, but I think Ricochet advanced last night in the 
SmackDown World Cup, defeating Mustafa Ali. But then again, he does have a challenge in that he's fighting Braun Strowman yeah. in the semi-finals, which I remember seeing a bracket lineup. I thought, like, really? After everything that went on Twitter, you didn't book Mustafa Ali versus Braun Strowman? <laughs> Oh, well, he, Ricochet did call out Braun for his uh, flippy bed tweet uh, after Crown Jewel, so I suppose they're, it's nice to see that they're working it into into storyline and it hypes it up for, for next week. But that's going to be saved for next week, which will be the final week of the draft as we move into Full Gear tonight and Survivor Series next weekend. So it's going to be a wild, wild time as we wrap up the season 14 so that's going to do it for us here on saturday draft live hope you enjoyed the show be sure to follow us on our socials facebook twitter and instagram at suplex retweet oh and a note on the twitter one we are at suplex retweet no underscores no spaces in between <laughs> so we, we may be uh imitated but never duplicated uh be <laughs> sure to join our community page as well also on facebook and if you want to hear our back catalogue, be sure to follow us on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, and all good Android podcasting sites, whichever works best for you. Uh, but all that remains to be said is uh, I wish all our participants best of luck with full gear, and we will see you next week for the season finale and Survivor Series. So thank you, Scott, for filling in the co-host position this week. What can I say, Dave, except you're welcome. <laughs> I've been David Hockney and this has been Saturday Draft Live and we will see you next time there now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown hello guys welcome to Quiz Showdown I'm Daniel Campbell and in the show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex retweet team go through a very strange quiz we don't know what the heck's going on with it but you're going to have to watch to find out go check out on the YouTube channel now that was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown.